The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Right here on 91.3 FM, the voice of the Cape Radio Station. I'm your host, Yasmina Peterson. Well, I also mentioned something in the beginning of August, and it's not A-U-G-U-S-T. It's O-R-G-U-S-T, meaning that August is Organ Donation Month. We are going to be finding out a little bit more what that is all about and speaking to Dr. Shuaib Wadi as well as Fawn Rogers and how we can get involved in this. Do know that you guys are most welcome to interact with me on the topics that we share this morning on the TNM Express program via the SMS as well as the WhatsApp line. You are most welcome to always interact with me on that platforms. Thereafter, I did mention that it is going to be, there is going to be a kiddie story. We've quite a jam-packed program this morning for all of you that are at home and that are tuned in that is what you can expect in the program this morning and speaking about the organ donation month which is the month of august we do have dr shuaib wadi on the line as well as fawn rogers assalamu alaikum and good morning good morning fawn how are you Morning. I'm well and you. Thank you for having us today. Um, good. Thank you so much for being part of the program. Now, Doctor, I think I want to start off with you first with regards to August being Organ Donation Month. Speak to us more about what the difference is between tissue and organ donation, as well as, Doctor, I know that you are a nephrologist, and some of us are not so fair with those medical terms. Speak to us what that is all about. Okay, so um, I'm a, a kidney specialist. That's what the nephrologist is. And that's okay, somebody kidney specialist. There we go. Diseases of, of the kidneys, including kidney failure, you know? Yes. And uh, obviously, in people who have kidney failure, they may benefit from a kidney transplant. Mm. So that's where our involvement with transplantation um, comes in. Uh, now, obviously, uh, you, you can have donations... Uh, or, or, or transplantation or, of, of just particular tissues. And the common one which most people will be aware of is blood. Mm. So obviously blood transfusion would be the, the use of another individual's blood uh, into, into a person to try and correct the abnormality uh, related to um, uh, the loss of blood or the absence of sufficient blood. So uh, it can be life-saving in certain instances. So for example, if people have a, uh, a motor vehicle accident or in women after childbirth or if they have severe bleeding of any cause, sometimes they need an urgent transfusion of blood to be able to um, uh, save their lives and prevent them from dying from, mm. from bleeding, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the one which people are most aware of. But obviously there are other areas where some tissues or parts of the tissue are, are donated and are transplanted or transfused. That can include a bone marrow transplant or transplant of the stem cells or a cornea transplant, which is a, just a part of the eye, or a bone transplant with bone tissue or bone graft tissue is used to um, allow people to, uh, 
to uh, you know heal their bones in certain uh, circumstances. So those are the transplant of just particular tissues and parts of uh, of organs. And then obviously you get transplantation of entire organs, mm-hmm. which can include the heart, the liver, the lung, uh, the kidneys, the pancreas, the small intestine, and even now transplantation of hands and so forth and so on, mm-hmm. which has been done. Excellent. Now, Doctor, you were speaking about a blood transfusion where someone needs blood and urgently needs blood and so on. And when we speak about organ donation, if someone maybe has a kidney or want to donate a kidney or so on, does it also boil down to the type of blood that you have in your body that matches, should match that person that will be receiving the kidney or any organ transplant? Yes, I mean, so what happens is that every cell in your body has got the markers on it which your immune system is able to recognize and say, okay, this is one of our own cells. Mm-hmm. So if you then take that um, organ or tissue and transfer it into another person, it won't have those markers, you know? Yes. And that other person's immune system can react to it and then damage and destroy those cells. Now, blood cells are actually very simple. They don't have... Uh, some markers called HLA and so forth on them mm-hmm. because they're not nucleated cells and they have what we call ABO markers on them. So all we need to do for blood is they need to be ABO compatible. So the type of blood must be compatible. You have If you're type A, you must donate to type A. If you're type B, mm. uh, um, you can receive type B. Yes. If you're type O, you can only receive type O. Um, but O can donate to anybody. So a type O person can donate to a, a or B or AB. Oh, and if you type AB, you can receive blood mm-hmm. from anybody uh, virtually. Mm-hmm. But they would also do a cross-match to make sure that you don't have any other um, antibodies which may react and cause destruction of those red blood cells as soon as you transfuse the person. When it comes to transplant of an organ, it's a bit more complicated. And obviously, it varies slightly between the different uh, organs. But... Uh, you need to have compatibility of some of the other markers and you have to have a cross match, which is negative. And also because that organ stays in you for such a long time, or needs to stay for many years, you often will then need medicines to prevent you from rejecting that, that, uh, that organ. So you may need medicines which suppress your immune system. Now, you actually will usually need medicines which suppress your immune system. Very interesting. Shukran for sharing this information with us and educating us with regards to um, organ donation and so on. Now, Doctor, tell us who can donate and how do we encourage people to donate? So there's two types of donors that um, that we get uh, around the world. Uh, the one type of donor is what we call a living donor. That means somebody who is well and healthy and they're in good shape and they don't have any chronic conditions themselves, like they don't have kidney or liver or heart or lung disease or they don't have any chronic infections, they don't have cancer, they have a good, healthy lifestyle. And uh, that person can then be assessed and see if it's possible for, to, for them to donate part of their organs while they're alive. So the, the living donors that we're able to do uh, is, obviously people can donate blood at any time mm-hmm. you know, and the blood yes. will regenerate completely. Uh, and go be educated, never donated anything. They can donate a kidney because you've got two kidneys, and if your one kidney is working, uh, if your kidneys are working very well, you can donate one of those kidneys and you can live a normal life with the other kidney. I mean, there is a slightly increased risk of yourself developing kidney failure in your own lifetime, but the risk is still really small, mm-hmm. probably less than 1%. 
for that to happen in a, in a kidney donor. And obviously care is taken for that not to happen. You can also donate part of your liver, um, uh, which can then be um, you know, used for another person who has liver failure. And then you can donate bone marrow. Some people donate part of the skin. Uh, and so those are the type of things you can donate uh, to, another, to another person while you are alive. Um, obviously, the, you can't donate your heart, donate your lungs, donate your intestines and so forth while you're alive. And to get the, the donors from that part, from that, those organs, we rely on uh, people who are willing to donate their organs after they've passed away. So if, if you pass away, usually with something which affects your brain, um, which means that your, your brain stops working completely and you're declared brain dead, uh, then you can donate. Uh, because then your heart is still working, your kidneys are still usually working, your liver may still be working. Those people may be able to donate uh, those um, organs uh, after they are declared brain death um, to people uh, who need those organs, including people on dialysis, people with severe liver failure and heart failure, and people with severe lung disease, including those cystic fibrosis, severe um, uh, cancer, which has destroyed parts of the liver and lungs, and so forth and so on. Mm, excellent. Now, Doctor, you were speaking about uh, certain organs that can only be donated after if that person gives their consent, yeah. after that person has passed on. Now, how yeah. long after that person has died will the organs or tissue have to be removed? So, the well, tissue and organs are removed practically immediately after the person has died. There's actually two ways of doing it. The one is that they don't wait for the heart to stop. So the person is declared brain dead. That means uh, a, a panel of doctors looks at the function of the brain and what we call a brain stem, mm-hmm. which is the bottom part of the brain. And if that part is destroyed, it's actually, you cannot, it's not compatible with life. And if you remove them off the ventilator or you stop the medication, the heart will stop within a few seconds. So normally they do a series of tests to de- uh, determine brain death. And these tests are very robust. Uh, nobody who's been declared brain dead by these tests has ever woken up. So it's different from somebody who's got like a persistent vegetative state or has got a coma or other causes. This is not just a coma. It's somebody who goes through a series of tests which says that their brain stem is completely dead. And I mean, this definition of brain death has been accepted by uh, uh, the medical fraternity for a few decades. And also um, the majority of Islamic scholars from various schools have accepted that the definition of brain death uh, is defined uh, and as defined as irreversible uh, using these criteria uh, is not compatible with life and basically the person has passed away. Mm-hmm. So so that's the one way. The other way is if people are really attached to making sure the heart is stopped mm-hmm. is then to remove all the machines and the ventilation and all that and to wait for the heart to stop which will take a minute or two, and then once the heart stops then to remove the organs. Obviously, the risk then is that the organs have a period where they don't get any blood supply and that uh, they get slightly damaged so that when they when they use it uh, um, for the recipients, there's a higher risk that they're not functioning as well as, as, a, as what we would call a, a heart-beating donor. So those are called non-heart-beating donors. And obviously, there's pros and cons to, to both both from a religious and ethical perspective in terms of people's beliefs um, and what they're able to, to tolerate. 
Excellent. We're speaking to Dr. Shaib Wadi. He is a kidney specialist. A little bit later, we will be turning some focus to Fawn Rogers, and I'm going to speak to her a little bit later and tell you all about her experience a little bit later. Now, Doctor, we want to encourage people to donate. Now, tell us how many lives can be saved by one person who donates. Well, I mean, if, if, uh, if a person donates while they're alive, obviously they're donating their one part of one organ, they will save one life. But if a person uh, is willing to be an organ donor after they declare brain dead or if they, uh, um, if they uh, are a non-heart-beating donor, they obviously, if a non-heart-beating donor, the heart will not be used. Mm-hmm. But the lungs, the liver, the kidneys, um, the bone marrow can be used. The corneas can be used, so you could potentially save the lives of you know seven or eight people, and you could uh, improve the lives of several people using the cornea, bone marrow, and other things. You know, where uh, maybe it's only saving the lives, but you can give them the gift of sight. It can take them off uh, treatment for leukemia. So there's many other options um, in terms of how those different organs can be can be utilized. And then the process is not done where you know somebody goes in as a butcher and just removes everything. It's done in a way which tries as best as possible to preserve the dignity of the person who passed away uh, with the understanding that this person is a person who has performed a great act of self-sacrifice uh, to help other people, uh, to, to allow other people to live their lives uh, in a way which is much better and, uh, you know, which will, which will allow them to function and get back to their families. Doctor, I'm very curious as to know, is there any stigma attached when it comes to donating? So, I mean, obviously, you know, in different communities, uh, the, um, the, the willingness and the ability to donate is, is, is less. In the South African Muslim community, for example, there isn't a strong culture of, of deceased donation. There's a fear that uh, it's not permissible and there's differences in opinion. So much of the opinion, for example, the um, uh, India and Pakistani uh, sort of uh, uh, establishment um, has been against organ donation of any type for, for a long time. And But that has changed recently with some fatawa uh, coming out that um, they would allow it, provided the dignity of the person is maintained, provided it's done in a, in a, in, in, where the need is, uh, is, 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 is clear um, and provided uh, it's done with complete consent. There's nobody being paid, um, you know, to do it. They're not getting, uh, they're not being manipulated. They're not being pressured to do it. Uh, so, so um, those are the conditions uh, which have been set. Um, but still, obviously, people are hesitant. You know, they want to be buried with all the organs, so that they, um, they. Uh, I don't know why they have a belief that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala can't recreate them with all the organs, um, which we know is what will happen uh, on the day of judgment. You know, uh, so um, I think uh, those are the type of. Of, of thoughts and ideas which we need to be talking about as Muslims on our dinner tables. We need to be asking each other because that's what you really need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you are brain dead lying in an ICU, you're not going to be the one making the decision. So while you are still alive, you should tell your family, your husband, your wife, your children that if I am in this situation, this is what I would like. And then if you want to get an Islamic opinion, you want to re- re-look at the fatwa, you want to ask your, your ulama, your trusted ulama, whoever uh, you, uh, you rely on, now would be the time to do that. 
uh, and say I would like to uh, donate if permissible. Do you think it's a good idea? What are the Islamic rulings? And then you follow that from now, rather than uh, at the time when you are brain dead or you are, are in an ICU, your family already under immense stress. Mm-hmm. You know, and and obviously this is not going to happen to everybody. If we have a hundred people who sign up as as donors, maybe one person will eventually end up in a situation where they would be possibly be able to donate. Mm. So you can understand that you have enough donors, you need millions and millions of people to opt into the system that we would agree to donate uh, if we reach that particular situation where it would be possible for us to donate. If you die with a heart attack at home, or you die of cancer, or you die of heart failure, you, you won't be able to donate. It's not going to be something that's even possible. But in that, in that narrow group of people who may be able to donate, it's worthwhile having these discussions with your families now. The voice of Dr. Shaib Wadi. Doctor, we go for ads, and when we come back, we'll continue. And phone, are you still with us? I am. Excellent. Thank you so much for being part of the program. We go for a quick ad break and then we'll turn some focus to you. Stay with us. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh 91.3 FM The 10M Express I'm your host Yasmina Peterson Just before the ad break You had me in conversation With Dr. Shu'ab Wadi The kidney specialist Speaking to us about Organ donation As well as tissue donation uh, Before I turn some focus to Fawn Doctor, just a quick one How can one become a donor? Or how do you register To become a donor? So, I mean, one can go on to the organ donor website, uh, the, the, the website of the Organ Donor Foundation, and register as a donor. One can contact one of the numbers uh, which are available on the Organ Donor Foundation. Um, or you can contact Tell or one of the other organizations which is um, involved in the organ donation space, and they will be able to... Um, guide you. But much more importantly, because there's no electronic register or there's no accessible way for people to know uh, who is an organ donor, um, you should have a card or some type of identification on your on your license or some other document which says that uh, these are your wishes. And very much more importantly, as I mentioned, you should speak to your family mm. so that they are aware of what your wishes are. Mm. Doctor, because yeah. it's often a decision which needs to be made when your family is under severe stress, when something bad has happened to you or you are not well. And if you've discussed it beforehand, it's something that they would be aware of. It's very difficult to spring it on a family and ask them if it's something you would have thought about yes. um, if you've never discussed it before. Mm. Doctor, do you perhaps have any statistics with regards to how many people in South Africa give off the organs or tissue donation? Sorry, how many people? How many? Pe- yes, how many people donate rather uh, organs? So or I mean, it varies. There's not a, there isn't a unified uh, uh, document presented this year yet. Yeah. But in general, uh, we have several hundred people who donate around the country. But still, there's a significant shortage mm-hmm. because of the waiting list for different organs. For example, uh, for kidney transplants, the waiting time may be five, six, seven years, yeah. depending on your blood group to wait for an organ 
mm-hmm. become available for you. And some patients wait up to 10 years to wait, you know, depending on their blood group or their antibody levels. Uh, for liver transplants, uh, the waiting time is not that long because you can't survive without the liver. So mm-hmm. usually it's done according to urgency, but um, there are uh, hundreds of people, uh, maybe thousands of people every year who die because they unable to get uh, uh, liver in the game. For heart transplant, similarly, if you don't get a heart transplant in time, you will die. So the, the number is, is extremely small compared to what the need is. I think it may be just uh, between one and two hundred donors for the year, where they probably need a few thousand donors for to reduce the waiting time uh, to something which is uh, which will reduce the amount of people that are dying. Dr. Shukran, so much for sharing that information with us. That website, once again, is the Organ Donor Foundation that people can go on to so that they can get some more information with regards to donation and organ donation? Yes. Okay, excellent, Doctor. Stay with us. I'm turning some focus to Fawn Rogers. She's the Marketing Director of Transplant Education for Living Legacies. Fawn, thank you so much for being on the line. I want to jump right into uh, what your background is as well as what it is that you do. So speak to our listeners more about who Fawn Rogers is. Thank you, yes. So I needed a double lung transplant, which I was very lucky to receive uh, about seven and a half years ago. So that's um, two new lungs that I got. Uh, before that, I was born with a disease called cystic fibrosis, which meant that I grew up very ill. Um, I could never partake in school sports. I missed out on a lot of uh, sort of social and school activities. And gradually, I just became more and more sick. My treatment regime was every three months, I would be admitted into hospital for two weeks of IV treatment. So you can imagine growing up as you know, a 10, 12-year-old, it's, it's a lot of hospital time. I mean, I've spent years and years in hospital. And those, those treatments kept me going up into a point where they just weren't working anymore. My lungs had deteriorated so much that I needed to be on oxygen 24-7. I was pretty much bedridden. I couldn't really walk or do much. I needed uh, round-the-clock care. I had a a, a tube that would feed me at night because I couldn't get enough calories to support the need of my body. Um, I was on a, a, a insulin pump to give me insulin. I had a portacast, which is a permanent sort of IV in my chest to give me my treatments. And basically, I was just dying. And the only way that I could have carried on was for someone to donate, um, for a deceased donor to donate their lungs to me. So as Dr. Wadi said earlier, the family would have had to make that decision because the my donor would have not been, a, you know, they would have been brain dead. So the family would have been asked, and I was lucky enough that they said yes, that the lungs were a match for me um, in terms of size, blood type, and all of that. And I had my transplant. Um, it was quite a long surgery, and the recovery was very difficult, but... Since then, in the seven and a half years that I've had it, I've been able to do so much that I wasn't able to before. I mean, you know, you can't exactly swim when you're on, ox- you know, an oxygen tube. So things like that, just, you know, being able to go um, to a social event, obviously not at the moment with COVID, mm-hmm. but um, go to a social event and just sit and talk to my friends without feeling short of breath and coughing my lungs out <laughs> and all of that. So it was completely life changing um, and I'm very grateful for 
uh, for my donor family and my donor. And that led me to um, co-found the organization TAL, hmm. Transplant Education for Living Legacies. And our mission, as the name suggests, is to encourage people to tell their families that they wish to donate their organs because, uh, you know, at time of death, the transplant coordinator will approach the family and say, you know, can we use your daughter, your husband, your whatever's organs? And you are in such a state of just panic and grief and you can't, you can't expect the family to make a decision like that in that moment. So it's much easier if they knew that their husband or whatever wanted to be a donor. And then it's a very easy decision. It's yes, he wanted to save lives. So yes, take the organs. So we, we really encourage people just to talk to their families and um, yeah, tell everyone that that's what you want to do when, you, when you're no longer here. Excellent. Now, Afon, how did organ donation change your view of life? So, it's, I mean, like I said, the surgery from a physical point of view was mm. very, very difficult. But from a mental point of view, um, it's just as challenging because you've gone from, in my case, I mean, not everyone um, is um, has a, a chronic condition. You know, some people are can be healthy and then all of a sudden something happens and they require an organ but for me I spent my entire life sick um, up until the point that I had new lungs so it completely changed my view of of life um, you know life is short and time is not promised to anyone we can wake up well we can yeah, wake up tomorrow and you know be hit by a bus mm-hmm. so for me it really highlighted the importance of just making the most of every day and you know when you're no longer here how do you want to be remembered um, and for me, I don't think I'll be able to give my lungs to someone when I pass away because they'll be sort of third hand. But um, I'd like to know that I've made some sort of difference. Mm. So that's, um, yeah, that's how it's changed my view. Lovely stuff. Speak to us more about the services that you offer at the Transplant Education for Living Legacies, which is TEL, as well as where are you guys based or situated? So TAL has um, a few campaigns that we focus on. Um, our main focus is in the medical sector. So what happens is when someone passes away or becomes brain uh, stem de- dead in, in a hospital environment, the nurses and the medical staff, are then they then need to inform the transplant coordinator of the situation. And we found that a lot of these medical practitioners aren't aware of who to call in that situation. So what TAL does is we actually go into the hospital environment and educate the nurses and the medical professionals about how to deal with um, these potential donors. Unfortunately, at the moment, again, with the COVID situation, we haven't been able to go into hospitals for obvious reasons. So we've put our medical um, education side on hold. But we do have a lot of public um, campaigns that we run. One of them is the Make It Known campaign, where we um, have various tattoo studios that have come on board and they tattoo the symbol. It's our actually our logo, but it's a quotation mark. And the quotation mark generally goes on your wrist, but you can have it anywhere you want. And that symbolizes the fact that you've started the conversation. It's the quotation mark at the beginning of a conversation that you've made it known to your family or your loved ones that you would wish to be an organ donor. So that is one of our more prevalent campaigns. And we currently have studios in Joburg, where we are based, um, as well as Cape Town, that are offering the tattoo 
this month and, and most months we do get uh, studios on board to assist with that. Excellent. And also, if people want to know more about Tal, where can they, is there maybe social media platforms or do you have a website? Yes, so we are tal.org.za is our website and we are on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, tal.org.za across all platforms. So we are um, on all of those, are lots of information there with regards to the studios that are available and other sort of interesting facts around organ and tissue donation. Excellent. Now, Fawn, some of the advices that you can maybe give for someone that does not feel, uh, they, they want to donate, but they actually do not feel comfortable to do so, so they in between either or, I must, but I also don't know what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So I think one of, the, um, one of the things I'd like to say is, if you needed an organ or your, one of your loved ones needed an organ, would you accept that organ? Mm. So if your daughter became ill and the doctor said she will not live to see the end of the month unless she gets a transplant, do you wish for her to have a transplant? If the answer is yes, let's save her life, then you know, if you're willing to receive, then you should be willing to give. Um, and I think it's a matter of... Um, just thinking about that and you know if there are obvious religious or cultural um, barriers then you know then that's a different story but I think a lot of people use it as um, not an excuse but you kind of use it as a way to delay the decision so it's kind of oh I'm not too sure if I can I'll talk to someone about it at some stage and you know like I said we life is not certain we don't know what's happening mm. going to happen around the corner so have those conversations now and find out now if you can be a donor and then tell your family and those people that is on the waiting list for any advice for them words of encouragement for them so I think people on the waiting list it's a very scary situation because you, you know, when I was told, I think I was probably about 13 or 14 that I needed lungs, I was horrified. I was like, what? You're going to cut me in half, take my, the biggest organs in my body out and put new organs in. I mean, it's a pretty horrific Frankenstein sort of thought. So you are terrified to receive a transplant. But you know that if you don't get a transplant, you're also terrified that you'll die. So it's sort of this such a difficult position to be in because you're hoping to get a transplant and survive but you're also dreading the day that that call comes. So my advice is just to not overthink it. Um, The surgery, you know, it always sounds worse than it is. It is a big surgery but it's not as horrific as your mind plays it out to be. And the outcome, the, the life that you get afterwards is so much better than something you can imagine. You can't imagine what it feels like to breathe normally if you've never been able to breathe normally. So the advantages way outweigh the disadvantages. Excellent. Now, uh, Fawn, is there any contact number if people maybe want to know more about organ donation for TAL? Um, I think just on our um, social media and website, there's a lot of information and we always, we're very responsive. So if someone just wants to pop us a message on Facebook, we'll get back to them, um, you know, very quickly. So those would be the best channels to communicate with us. Excellent. And last but not least, Fawn, what would you like people to remember about today's interview that's listening in right now? Um, I think I would like people to remember that organ donation for most people is not something that comes up every day. It's not something that you think about unless you or one of your loved ones are directly affected. Um, and by then it's often too late. So I think if anyone's listening and hasn't thought about organ donation or has thought about it but put it off, do it today. Don't wait 
until tomorrow. Speak to your family and speak to them what their wishes are. And mm. um, yeah, don't wait. Excellent. The voice there of Fawn Rogers, the marketing director of Transplant Education for Living Legacies, which is a tell. Dr. Wadi, any last words from your side? No, that's fine. I just wanted to thank Fawn uh, and uh, give us the opportunity to talk about this, which is always an important conversation which we should be having. Excellent. Shukran so much to Dr. Shoaib Wadi as well as Thorne Rogers. Thank you so much for being part of the program. And I wish you everything of the best. That website is Organ Donor Foundation. As well as if you want to get in touch with Thorne, you can go onto the website, which is tell.org.za. That is T-E-L-L.org.za. Thorne, thank you so much. And Dr. Shoaib, shukran so much. Assalamu alaikum and goodbye for now. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.